Okay, children, let's start the day with a few new math problems. What is five times two? Come on, children, don't be shy. Just give it your best shot. Yes, Clyde. Twelve. Okay, now let's try to get an answer from someone who's not a complete retard. Anyone? Come on, don't be shy. I think I know the answer, Mr. Garrison. Me, 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 me. Shut up, fat boy. Hey, don't call me fat, you oh. fucking Jew. Eric, did you just say the F word? Jew? No, he's talking about... Oh. You can't say... Oh. Fucking school, you oh. fucking fat ass. Kyle. Why the... F oh. Night. Eric. Dude, you just said... Oh. Fuck again. Stanley. Who? Kenny. What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Oh. 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 How would you like to go see the school counselor? How would you like to suck my... Mm. What did you say? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, what I said was... How would you like to suck my... Mm. Holy dude. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? This is blasphemy. This is madness. This is a booth. Staring down, looking at the blood stained concrete. Hear the dead MC flying at my feet. It took a nine millimeter rhyme straight to your mind. Damn, I better split. This witness is my dime, so I make my way up the block. Get to home base and lock that. Run. Crack the Cavassier and grab the phone. Call one of my troops up. Host the soldiers when he says, Yo, what's up? What's going on? Make it quick, cause I'm trying to get my stellar on. Go. Yo, girl, I'm in the. These lyrical assassins tried to pull a hit and then boom, came a noise from the other room. It was the boys in blue with the SWAT crew. They got us locked up for lyrical murder. It's one of them charges that you never heard of. It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, we're killing all your podcasts like the HIV virus. You want to battle this kid? Huh, don't even try this. Back the oh. up, think again, count to ten. You want to grab that mic just to get done in? It's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. The booth. The booth. The booth. Yeah, it's the booth. All right, your boy, Sinister One. We are broadcasting live. You are listening to The Booth here on Hoobazoo.com. Sorry, no intro tonight. We had a little uh, issue here with Skype. Uh, As you all know, that there was another big hack, and there's a lot of updates coming down from Microsoft products, such as uh, the Xbox One X, which hit the scene. So I know I turned my Xbox on this morning, and I had a big update waiting for me on my Xbox. Um and there's all types of Skype and all that stuff. All Skype's part of Microsoft now. So all types of updates going on. So it, I've been on my computer all day, and they still had issues. Had everything updated. I got my man Ken Diesel on with me tonight. I got R-Squared on with me tonight. And we also have our first guest. And we've got a lot of – we actually got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we got to get right into it. Uh, I know uh, R-Squared is over there looking real sad. His Giants lost this weekend. We're definitely going to get into that. And uh, they're talking firing. But our first guest on here tonight, and we, 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 we want to get him in. I'm going to let him introduce himself and, and uh, chat himself up here a little bit. Pierre Solomon. He's uh, I actually found him through a Facebook page. And um, 
I brought him on because there was something that I noticed and I've been struggling with. And, you know, being a black male, um, I've always had my chances to, to get my permit to carry. And I've always felt, I hate to say this, but I've always felt like that there's this true misconception that black males cannot be legal gun owners. And I've had people like Ken Diesel who said, I'll write my letter. I'll, he'll write the letter for me to go down and get it. Mark Chappetta, who's a private detective. He said he would write that letter. But even though I had all of these people who would write letters for me, I still felt that there's this possible misconception that black males would not be approved of a gun permit. And then I seen this guy, Pierre out here, he's actually a certified NRA instructor he has his own business. He's teaching students how to properly use a firearm, and he is a black male, just like me. So right there, I'm like, wow, this is a guy that's blowing that misconception completely out the window. I've got to get him on because what drives me crazy is when you see all these young guys with gun crimes and, and caught with illegal guns and doing mandatory time because Ken's a defense attorney. Pierre, I'll let you know, Ken's a defense attorney. And... um R. Squid is actually a, a, a JAG officer, retired from the military. Um, you know, it's one of these things that bug me and say, why didn't these guys just go and get a legal gun? And that and that's one of the things that bug me. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and we can get right into it. Hey, how's it going? It's Pierre from Solomon Firearms Training. I'm the founder and CEO of SFT. Um, to answer your question, why don't people uh, just go ahead and get a legal firearm? Um, it truly, really baffles me. Um, I think it has to do with the like, like you said, the misconception that the Second Amendment only applies to you know white males, white conservative males, and it's simply not true. Um, it's very easy to get your license here in Mass, even though uh, the Northeast is generally known as an anti-gun state. Um, you just got to dedicate one day of your life, take a five-hour safety course where you learn about firearms, the law, how to load, unload, and then you get your certificates. So once you get those certificates, you go ahead and you apply at your local police department, and then in a matter of a couple months, you know, you should be able to get, you know, some version of a license to carry. So, uh, yeah, there's this misconception that it's very hard to get when, in fact, it's, it's pretty easy to um, to get some form of a license to carry or um, firearms identification card that allows you to buy firearms and ammunition. And I'm going to ask Ken this question because, Ken, we're talking almost 15 years ago we talked about me getting a gun permit, and you said exactly what he just said. You said it's it's a misconception. You told me that, right, Ken? Oh, absolutely. The The procedure, especially here in Massachusetts, is very straightforward. Actually, back when I got my permit, I'd actually, I actually had to go down to the police station to pick up my application. Now you don't have to do that. You can sit at your computer and fill it out. Some police departments will allow you to file it online, although I don't believe Brockton's one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, and this is the problem, the actual applying for – in Massachusetts, let's go, there's three levels. There's an – LTC Class A, LTC Class B, that's License to Carry Class A, License to Carry Class B, and a firearms identification card. And the distinctions, at least right now, are are not that important. Mainly it deals with whether you can carry a concealed, open, and whether you can carry – we can just own a firearm. The problem is there are two problems here, especially in Massachusetts. Every municipality police chief has absolute control over who he issues a firearms permit to. Number two is, in, especially in Massachusetts and, and, and federally too, there are restrictions for people who have had, let's say, involvement with the court system. 
For example, if you've had a restraining order issued against him, you cannot get a license to carry in Massachusetts. If you've been convicted of domestic violence, you cannot get a firearms permit. If you've been convicted of certain crimes, you cannot get a firearms permit. And the problem is, statistically speaking, young black males are more likely to have interactions with police that result in a criminal conviction or a criminal criminal notation on their record than whites. And that's disproportionate to their population. So while I agree with our guest, which is very straightforward and simple, I mean anybody with a third-grade mastery of English can file an application. The chances of you getting one, I think, break down along racial lines, especially socioeconomic grounds. Uh, the poorer you are and the more of color, the lower your chances are of getting one. And, that's now, just- now, and, I, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here before I let R Square chime in. A lot of people are going to look at Pierre, a lot of the brothers that are on the street and all that stuff, so to say. They're going to say, well, Pierre's able to do what he did because he was in the military. He's an army sergeant. He's a vet. That's why he got this. And, and again, like I said, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. That People are going to say that that's why he was able to get this permit and be able to teach. Um, R squared, you were in the military for 23-plus years. Misconception, right? Yeah, it could be a misconception. I mean, the, the the biggest thing that we have is, of course, every state's going to be different. And then, as Diesel pointed out, you've got some local municipalities that are going to claim some control, too. So sometimes it can make it hard to navigate. I think, as was described, you know, the problem wasn't necessarily the rule structure that we have, because for the most part, I think a lot of people can understand that people who've been convicted, not accused, but convicted of violent crime, maybe shouldn't be the ones who own weapons or at least should have restrictions on their ownership. That seems to be a fairly popular, acceptable uh, restriction as opposed to other things. Uh, The problem is, you know, then you look at the impact that that may have as Diesel says, you know, socioeconomically, racially, or otherwise, that's not an intended consequence. That's a reflection of the rule as, you know, as passed. So the question that just, that just goes to a whole criminology and sociology problem that you know society has to deal with in, in the big picture for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I'm not, you know, that that's an unintended consequence when it comes to gun ownership. But at the same time, there are certain classes of people we want to be extra careful with. Mm. Now, Pia, your class consists now. Say like me. I guess for the longest time, I've wanted to get my gun permit, to, mm-hmm. you know, my firearm license to carry. And I just every time I've gone to do it, I put it off. I put it off, and I and I hate to say it, but I felt again that misconception, and I've also felt uncomfortable with who may who may be that teacher of that course or whatever. I've had people that I reached out to, but they're out of town, and you know, again, how do I go into this and feel comfortable? Because it's not just a misconception. I also have worries as a gun owner. And owning a gun and the responsibility, you know, I have six kids in the house. So, again, you know, you see all these stories, you see all these tragedies, and you say accidents happen. I know that i got to lock my gun up and keep it in a place. You know, my buddy at work, he says, Keith, it's no problem. You can get a gun that, that only unlocks on you and your wife's fingerprint, you know, and things like that. You know, what would you tell me as, as a male who's looking to possibly get his gun permit, uh, what would I have to do to make me feel comfortable? Well, I think the issue is on two parts. I think, one, when you look at the black community, the relationship that we have with firearms is not healthy, right? So when you look at people that are black and that have guns, a lot of times people look to, like, rap videos and movies and stuff like that, and they show someone who's not the ideal candidate, you know, dealing with firearms, you know, Mm -hmm. 
irresponsibly or, or criminally. And then when you look at the commercial, like if you ever go into like a, if you look at, at, at like a firearm commercial or video or stuff like that, you often, you know, rarely find people of color in that video. So when you turn on your TV and then you're looking at videos and stuff like that, you know, you can, you know, it's hard for you to find people that look like you. So people have a hard time correlating with that. First thing I would say is try to be objective. So even if you don't try to feel comfortable, the most important thing is getting your license to carry, right? So mm -hmm. once you get your card, then you can go ahead and participate with the two-way. The other thing, too, like with the evolution of technology and social media, there are a lot of, like, black gun groups online now. And and I'm a training counselor, so what I have is the ability to create other firearm instructors. And one of the things that I've been doing is been targeting, you know, people of color to say, hey, you can get this done. You can become an instructor, and you can start taking charge in changing that narrative of, you know, who a legal gun owner is and if you're black, if you can take it. So instead of waiting for the public or, you know, mass media to go and put representations of people that look like me, I'm creating those stories. I'm going to the community. I'm teaching classes in Dorchester and Rosendale in places where, you know, I've had people tell me, hey, I live in Dorchester. I can't get a license to carry. I'm like, that's not true. You know, you, you can you can be from anywhere. The Second Amendment applies to all citizens of this country. So I think, one, we got to take charge of our community and start building a healthy relationship, starting with our children young, because other communities are doing the same thing. If you look at, at white kids in suburban areas, they go hunting with their dad and their grandfather and stuff like that. Why can't we start building that healthy relationship and mindset with our children and our community so that when they do become teenagers and stuff like that, you know, they're not going to get involved in criminal activities and things that could potentially set them up and you, you know, in a situation where they can't legally own firearms, so I think it's a it's a it's a two phased um, two phased uh, solution to that. But there are plenty of black instructors out there. Um, Google is making things very easy now. So going on social media and going on Google, and you know, and and applying that same thing. You know, people look and will Google all the ridiculous things, but when it comes to something simple as to the steps to getting your license to carry, you can go to mass.gov. You can go to Google and you can start getting some of those answers. While it might not answer all your questions, but it's a good start. It'll get you some phone numbers. It'll get you some websites where you can start doing your own research and finding out what you have to do and what communities are, are acceptable of you. Oh, great stuff. And I get, I get to let Ken chime in here because, like I said, Ken's a, a defense attorney. I know Ken's defended a lot of young guys with, with these, you know, these crazy gun charges. Ken, have you ever looked at some of these guys and said, hey – idiot why were you carrying to begin with why didn't you just your record was clean prior to this have you ever said to somebody why didn't you just ever get a, a, a permit to carry have you ever thought about saying or had had said that to anybody only in days ending in why <laughs> <laughs> why that explain that please uh, it pretty much what you just said is what I ask and what I tell every single young, generally young men. There are very few young women who carry weapons, but basically it's young men, and a lot of them are people of color. And I've said that, you know, I said, look, you're 23 years old. You got a few things in your record, but nothing major. Maybe an OUI. Maybe you got an assault and battery, which you quaffed out, which continues without a finding its form probation. You know, you're going to Massasoit Community College. You're a high school graduate. You know, you're a good athlete. You, you seem good. You got, you're coming from a nice family. You got people uh, who will support you. That's like, why didn't you just file for a permit? Maybe they won't give you the license to carry the concealed weapons permit. Maybe they'll give you an FID and you go join a gun club. 
and take some instruction from, you know, the staff sergeant over here or somebody else like that and work your way up. Why the hell are you walking around city um, Brockton of all people, all places, with the tech nut, with 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 the a Sig, uh, a Sig 40 or a Glock 9. Are you out of your freaking mind? Because every cop out there, that's the, their number one concern. You ask any cop, if we had Z-Men up here, what is your main safety concern? And that is some kid with a gun shooting me. I mean, I've had that conversation so many times, it's not even funny. And uh, the funny thing is, is some of these guns that some of these kids are carrying or some of these young guys are getting caught with, they're not very expensive guns. Some of these guns are... You know, they range from three fifty to five hundred bucks for some of these guns, yet they're throwing their lives away and getting mandatory sentences over something that if they had no record, if they had wanted to just carry legit, they could do so. So for me, a black male with no record, right now I hear a lot of different ways people tell me to carry gun. People tell me to go and get uh sport and recreation. But somebody said because of what my wife does and because what I do, we can both probably get a license to carry for protection. Um, because she works in the medical field and she deals with, you know, she at one right. time she was dealing with um, rehab facility and she had to walk to her car and things like that. So as, as as being an instructor, what would you advise me to go for as a homeowner and because of what we do for employment and, and the fact that we have six kids in the house, what would you say? Do I go for sport and recreation or do I go for the whole thing? Well, I would always advise that you go for a license to carry Class 8 unrestricted. So what you mm-hmm. want to do is you want to have options. You never want to restrict yourself to uh, target shooting and hunting. If you live in Boston and you live in Brockton, what's the probability of you going out and hunting? <laughs> right? It's very, right. Very, very low to zero. So you always want the ability to protect yourself outside the home. When you get a restricted license, it only allows you to keep that firearm in the home. So while you might be able to protect your family inside the house but when you leave and you want to carry and you're going out to a late night dinner you know with your wife or if you're coming home late or you're carrying large sums of cash you know you definitely want to have that ability to protect yourself outside the home you always want to go for a class a unrestricted um the other issue that i think too is like some of the major organizations uh they're playing too much into the politics like for example over the last presidential election right the nra which is the largest and oldest you know, Second Amendment organization that protect our rights, you know, many people of color don't want to take the class. So a lot of times when I'm you know, promoting the NRA course, I'm not just simply promoting a firearm safety course. I got to promote and defend the NRA and say, hey, you know, while you might not agree with the NRA politically, you do have to understand that their certificates are recognized nationwide. So I have this extra step where I have to ask people to remove their emotional and political feelings to take these courses and there there's not a lot of different you know options there are some organizations like naga national african-american gun association that just coming up but they're only two years old and they're not on the same level as the nra so they still have you know a, a lot of catch-up to do because they got over a century of catch-up to do so it, it's the political politics becoming to the two-way. It's no longer just about firearm safety. Now it's about, okay, you got to pick sides. Are you Democrat? Are you, are you Republican? And when you divide people like that, you don't have that unity. When you look at rally, last year when Maura Healy banned all semi-automatic rifles and shotguns, and I went to that rally to, you know, to defend the Second Amendment, I can count the black people on my fingertips. They didn't have a stake in the fight. So if we want to change the, the, the two-way, we definitely have to be more inclusive. And I think that has to do a lot with the bigger organizations saying, hey, we're not going to pick sides. And it doesn't matter if you're Democrat. Why do you have to be Democrat and anti-gun? 
why does that have to be synonymous? You know, like you should be able to be whatever political party and still be represented and support the Second Amendment. So I think the bigger organizations have a, have a responsibility to be inclusive for everybody and make everybody feel welcome. Because I know a lot of black people don't feel welcome when they go into NRA Corp. And there's been some clubs that I went to. And, you know, I go to the annual meeting and I'm the only black guy there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, until I started creating other black instructors, I didn't know any black instructors. So, and I think that people in power, people who have influence, they definitely have a responsibility in changing that narrative. You know, if, I, if, if I may ju- jump in one here, I'm, can, the, yep. I'm the probably the most outspoken liberal of the group here. Um, I personally, I will refrain from my opinions of the NRA political <laughs> wing, which are hard. But I will say this. I was received my instructions from two NRA instructors. One of them was a very good friend of mine, a Marine Corps veteran, and another instructor uh, who's a Boston cop. Say what you want about the NRA's political side, and I could spend all night talking about it. When it comes to uh, firearms instruction and firearms safeties and firearm protocols, if you were just to take that out and take off the NRA label and you just listen to what they had to say or read their pamphlets or read their articles or read their manuals, you would think Handgun Control Inc. was writing them. Uh, they are very, very good. They're exceedingly safety conscious. They are the people I, – I, I remember I was talking to one NRA instructor one time. He goes, are you sure you're with the NRA because you don't sound like it? Because they are very, you know, uh, very, very, very conscious of the re- of the of the requirements and responsibilities of proper firearms ownership. As a matter of fact, one of the people who taught me it, the first thing he suggested was your first purchase should be a trigger lock, and bet yet get a, either get a safe or a small gun, a gun locker, and then go out and get the firearm. That's what he told me, uh, which is kind of interesting. Because these guys really know their stuff, and a lot of them are ex-military, like our guest here. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And they see the damage these things can do up close and personal. So I think they got – it's a vested interest. And if I may say something, I belong to two firearms – I'm, I'm trying to avoid the word gun. because the colonel will scream at me because in the military, a gun has a big con- connotation as to what a gun is versus a firearm. Because in the military, you probably say a gun is a weapon capable of a certain radius caliber shell. The rifles and pistols they use are known as firearms. I'm surprised you guys haven't jumped in on that. I don't think there's either there's a there's a non-white person uh, in either one of my clubs, and I don't think that's right. It just you know one's based in Weymouth, and one's based out in Harvard, which is Central Mass. But maybe that's changing. Hmm. And, and we're and we're actually in the chat right now, and it's funny because I just asked R squared um, if he has a license to carry, if he's a gun owner, because you know he is a twenty, he is a, you know a veteran of the military, and he says no. He says he was he was actually saying he was thinking about it, and I just said, wow, that would be that would be a pretty neat radio show social experiment. You know, if me and Rob got together, thought about it, talked about, it, and then we said, you know what, let's try this. As a social experiment, so everybody can see, and then we would both apply. You know, we would get whatever we would need. In our, in, but, like, again, you're in Florida, right, R-squared? Yeah, Florida, so it wouldn't work quite the same way. I think the state's just a little bit easier than Massachusetts. Yeah, so, Ken, what would you say? No, that's a no-go because of Massachusetts? But, but, but you never know because down south it may be harder for you still. Well, well, well R-squared here has a lot of mass contacts. His family's from here. 
So maybe he's like, you know, try to gain mass residency and go through the application process. Because you can apply as a non-resident. It's very difficult, but you can apply. And, and, and it, it, would you advise something like that for him? Or would you say stay in the state that you I would say stay in Florida because, I, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, because what, you need to comply with the state where you're going to be residing right. with the weapons. Right, exactly. I don't know Florida. They may be one of those states where you only need a permit if you want to carry concealed. Like, for example, New Hampshire and Colorado, if you have a pistol below a certain magazine capacity, you can walk around with it as long as you're not waving around to someone, but you can put it on your hip or put it in your car as long as it's out in the public without a permit. If you want to carry concealed, that's when you need the permit. Unlike Massachusetts was, if you want it at all, you need a permit. Mm. Now, we, again, we've got P.S. Solomon on. He's on with us. I'm going to let him get into his, his, his website and stuff like that to let people know the information because I know there's a lot of people that are listening in and, and wanting to know. But before we get him out of here, I want him to walk me through the steps of exactly what I should do, what I should prep for, uh, how many classes would I need to take because I'm really thinking about signing up with your, with your course with the wife. And um, I just want you to walk me through the steps and, and what I would need to do. And, and you know, I want to give people a cost and all that type of stuff. Uh, well, you should definitely come take our class. We hold the classes anywhere in the state. Um, we always tell people um, we have our headquarters here at, in Swansea, but we'll go anywhere. So if we have a minimum of five people, we'll come to your house, we'll come to your living room. and So all we really need is a, is a table and a TV, and then we'll come out and we'll do the classroom portion, and then we'll link up to do the range. So as far as mask requires, right, there's a variety of courses that qualify for your license to carry, but the most popular one, and I think the most beneficial one, is the NRA Home Firearm Safety. Um, it's a it's a five-hour course. It's $130. We include all the guns, ammo, and training equipment. So when you sign up for one of our classes, everything is included. You don't need to bring anything except for a pen and a notebook. Now, as far as do you need to take more than one course, um, not necessarily. So you technically need only to take only one class, and then you can go and apply for a license to carry the next day. But I, as I always tell people, firearms training is a lifelong pursuit. There's nothing that you can do in one day and become an expert of it. So it's something you got to practice continuously. So we always advise people to take the additional courses that we have. So we offer a variety of classes. But technically, all you do is you take that home firearm safety course, and we'll give you two certificates. It'll give you a state police certificate that you can use in mass and then you get an nra certificate which is good nationally so if you wanted to start applying into neighborhood states you can go ahead and do that you just got to be aware that each state each state has their own laws and you just got to make sure you follow them but uh the steps are pretty simple uh the part where it gets a little bit complicated is whether you'll get a class a unrestricted so mass used to have a class a and class b now they've gotten rid of the class b level and it's all class a so uh, depending on your background or depending on where you live, you know, you have these different colored zones. So you can have like a red zone, black zone, green zone. And basically what the colors represent is that if you live in a green zone, then you're a lot you're a lot more likely to get a license to carry Class A unrestricted. If you're applying somewhere like in Boston, where I live, um, it's very hard to get a Class A unrestricted. Some people, which I believe, it's, it's a form of redlining, right? So if you look at all the states that have the negative colors, you know, you can ask the question, you know, what's the demographic of those areas? Are they, you know, predominantly minority or are they, you know, Caucasian and other stuff like that? So some people will make the argument that, cities is a way to um you know to to redline people of color but yeah but the depending on the city that that you live you you're, you have a higher or lower chance of 
getting a class A unrestricted. So we always recommend people to go and get that class A. And one of the best ways to increase your chances is to take multiple courses. So yeah, you only have to take that one basic course, but if you come in and say, hey, this was my basic requirement, but now I've done two, three, four courses, then it looks a lot more favorable, um, you know, in your situation. Some cities also require you to have a letter of recommendation and stuff like that. Any student that takes our class, we offer a letter of recommendation from the company, so we try to help out in that way too. But um, it's pretty simple. You take the class, you pass, you get your certificate, and then the very next day, you can go ahead and apply for your license to carry. Sounds good. And you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook. Shout yeah. them out. Let them know where they can get in touch with you, uh, and we'll make sure we have the links up in the podcast when we post the podcast. Yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate that. You can go on our website, uh, www.solomonfirearms.com. Um, on Instagram, we're uh, Solomon Firearms. On Snapchat, we're Solomon. On Facebook, we're Solomon Firearms Training, as well on YouTube. Uh, we post a lot of videos on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, we're, we're pretty frequently. And, we, you know, we're open six days a week, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., and we teach classes pretty much anytime and anywhere. So wherever there's bodies, we'll go and we'll make sure that people are, are well-trained and, and Great stuff, Pierre Solomon. Good stuff. You know, we usually do a 10-minute interview, but you were given some great information. Uh, all of us had some good questions for you. You were able to come through with some solid answers and, and give some people some solid instruction. And to be honest, you know, you, you're getting me one step closer to getting comfortable in doing what I feel I should have done many, many years ago when I first – actually, when I first met Ken. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about going through that process, and you know, I kind of got nervous. Can't think about getting a weapon out of water. So, um, I I, I think I got five of them. Believe it or not, that'll just scare the hell out of you. Well, you know what? You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a father of six. Um, and society is changing, and like I said, you know, the wife has worked a job where we've had twice now. You know, where we've had some instance. You know, we've had these situations where we've run into people. And it's like, yeah, this isn't a good situation. I bought mace for her, but again, you know, mace only does so good in the, in the at night, you know. And you know, I think maybe it's time for us to say, hey, we work this, we work these jobs, and we're involved with these people, and we need to protect ourselves. We have six kids that look, you know, look for mother and father to come home, and you know, I I, I think it's just time to move forward. And it's just just thinking about it. I think I'm going to move forward and go ahead. And can I thank for sending me the application and um again pierre great stuff man thank you for coming on yeah thank you i appreciate you hey, having and, and thanks for your service thank you for your support i appreciate it no problem and, and, and before pierre gets off here i actually linked pierre with oscar mike radio travis partington um they've started some discussion there and hopefully we will see more of pierre on travis's show because i feel an army vet uh you know a sergeant veteran um i feel that he's got a lot more stuff that he can bring to oscar mike radio so hopefully we'll be able to see travis and pierre talk about some issues on on oscar mike radio so thanks again pierre for coming on all right thank you for having me i appreciate it all right take care man Bye. Uh, you too brother all right. all right good stuff man good wow and you know we talked about uh this show having um a good flow and when R Squared to come in, we kind of had a template. We told them how we do things, and you know, we talked about you know we usually have an interview, but if it goes good, we go a little bit over because it's good instruction. And I wanted to get that out there because again, it's a misconception, you know, regarding black males and stuff. So what I want to do, I want to get into the football talk like right now because it's seven forty one. We've got a lot of topics that we still want to talk about, but we got to get into football. Pats were in Denver this past weekend, and um, 
I I figured this game was going to be a statement game. I think we all didn't we both agree on that one, Robert? Because Ken wasn't here last week. Yeah, I, I didn't say it was going to be a statement game. I mean, to me, there was no chance that the Patriots were not going to win because, uh, quite frankly, Denver's not that good this year and they're struggling at the moment. So I was never concerned about the game. I, I wouldn't have said it would be this big of a blowout, but uh, to me, the game was never in question. And Ken, you weren't here, so you weren't able to see our picks. But one, of, you know, one of the things that I had talked about regarding the Patriots was is the fact that. We had all that talk the last week before this game about the relationship between Brady and Belichick was strained because of the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And, you know, I had said, you know, they're going to come out here and they're going to they're going to beat Denver because they're going to show everybody there's nothing wrong with this locker room. They're going to they're going to roll right over them. And they did just that by by utilizing special teams, a 103 yard return by Dion Lewis. Man, just just in, in. their, their special teams was just smacking Denver's special teams all over the place. And for almost a moment there, it seemed like Denver was affected by the mile-high weather and not the Patriots, Ken, right? Yeah, I agree. But let me just say something. Um, Bill Belichick's always been known as a special teams guy. He loves special teams. But I'm sorry. Denver was beating themselves last night. Uh, sorry, Sunday night. So I'm about to say last night. Uh, the, guy, the guy muffed a fair catch. I mean, not a fair catch. He should have done a fair catch. Yeah, he should have They got a, a punt blocked. The, guy, the punter held on to it for 20 minutes. Lewis fielded the ball, what, five year, five yards into the end zone and must have run past everybody on the Denver team? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't misunderstand me. Great special teams work. But Denver was giving us a hand. I mean, I was surprised. I expected the Patriots to win. I thought it was going to be very close. I was surprised at the blowout, frankly. I did not... Well, you know, and here's the thing too. We're we're headed into the second half of the season, and the Patriots are just rolling along. And again, we all three of us were here after that week one loss. We were all like, "People, calm down. Coming off the roof." We told people, "This is not. It's just week one." People, we told people that this was going to happen. The Pats are in AFC East first place, two games ahead of Buffalo, um, and they're just rolling along now. We've got the Raiders coming up this week before we get into our picks. So let's just start off. we got the Patriots playing Raiders in Mexico City. I originally had picked the Raiders to win this game because of the travel. But Belichick and, and, and Mr. Kraft did something different. They decided that because they were already out there in Denver, they have decided that they're staying out there and they're going to travel to Mexico City. So they're already out there. There's no travel time to affect the Pats. And I'm going to have to change my pick from what I said early, early on in this year. I'm going to have to change this game and say the Pats are going to win this game. On, All right, on, so we're doing the pick. So, okay, R squared. With the Pats. We'll start off the Pats versus Oakland in Mexico City. Pats or uh, Oakland? I'm going Pats. I'll be off to R squared okay. now. Where's R squared? R squared, you still there? we lose him? Uh... Uh, looks like we, he's still there. I can see him on the video. Yeah. All right. Okay, there you go. He's back. Damn thing. He went out so, uh, I, I said Pats. He said Pats. I'm going with Pats as well. Uh, um, Oakland is a hit or miss team. It's what team shows up. The Pats are staying out there. They're going to be acclimated. Go with the Pats. Okay, so we're, I'm going to go back to the top of my list, and now we're going to go from Thursday to Sunday to Monday, as we normally do. Mm-hmm. Now, is Pierre, is Pierre still – because I'm having some issues with my Skype. I'm seeing people still there, even though I know where, 
What about is Pierre still with us? I'm seeing him. He's giving me the thumbs up. Pierre, can you say something? Can you? Can we hear you? Yeah, I'm still here, man. I'll just All right. Say- well, you know something. Well, let's add him in. Okay. Yeah, let's add him in. Get the other okay. picks. Pierre, He's your fault. Guy. He's liking yes, our Patriots stuff. Give you the fir- the what do you like? It is Tennessee at Pittsburgh. Tennessee Titans. Pittsburgh Steelers. Thursday night game. Thursday night games have not been great for Pittsburgh in the past. Pierre, what's your call? Um, I'm not too sure. I generally don't watch TV, so when I watch sports, I only watch the Patriots. And um, ever since the Colin Kaepernick thing, I've been boycotting the NFL, so I, I'm not really caught up with anything in the NFL right now. Ah, you're wussing out on us. <laughs> Our square. <laughs> you know what? I got to applaud it. You know why? Because a lot of people, when they when the Patriots knelt down in, like, week two, there were so many people who said, I'm protesting the NFL. I'm protesting the Patriots. I can't believe they did this. And here are the Patriots. They've now won. They're, they're, they're in first place. And I know a lot of these people who said they had wrote the pats off, they were tuned into that Broncos game on Sunday night. I'll tell you all that. All right. En- en- enough talk, uh, Sinister One. You're, you're playing for time. Tennessee versus Pittsburgh. Let's go. Pick it up. Pick a team. Tennessee. R-squared? Tennessee. No. Uh, Tennessee, I'm, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. They're playing at home. They're a tough team to beat at home. And they've I had thought some you problems said they were at Tennessee. What? No, nope, you said they were at Tennessee. No, they were at Pittsburgh. If I, say, if I said they're at Tennessee, I apologize. Tennessee at Pittsburgh, Heinz Field. Oh, I'm changing oh. my pick. i got to go with Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. You're strong at home. Uh, what the heck? I already said it. I'm just going to stay with it. All well, right. Yeah, a little loyalty. All right. Team disappointment. Ten- Detroit Lions. I thought they started out really strong. Disappointing, having a very at Chicago. They're playing at Soldier Field in Chicago. R squared. You know, yeah. Chicago's just not Chicago's not looking great. I'm going Detroit still. Since the one. Oh, Chicago actually. You know what? I, I, I'm I'm going to go with Detroit. It's the week before Thanksgiving, before they always get served up like a turkey. So I'm going to give Detroit. <laughs> this. All right, I'm going with Detroit too. As bad as they are, they're still above 500, which cannot is not the same thing we can say about Chicago. Uh, Pierre, chime in anytime you want. By the way, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. I hate that team's name, by the way. At Cleveland, at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. God, another name I cannot stand. R squared, you're up first. I said I'm never picking Cleveland again this season. Going Jacksonville. Okay. <laughs> Sinister one. I'm going with Jacksonville too, man. Cleveland's got some problems once again. Well, I'm going with Jacksonville only because every time I I do this, the teams disappoint me. So I'm hoping Cleveland will win. So I'm going to pick Jacksonville. Okay, Baltimore at Green Bay, Lambeau Field, people in November. Nasty game. Baltimore Ravens, Green Bay Packers. Uh, R-squared, you're up first this time. You know, despite what's going on in Green Bay, I, I just don't like to pick against the Packers at Lambeau. I'm going to have to go Green Bay. Since the one? I feel the same way. Even though Baltimore has got the best defense right now, i, I got to go with Green Bay and Lambeau. Look, unless they relocate Lambeau Field to Miami, then no team's going to win from now till the end of the year. Go with Green Bay. Okay. The battle day, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Miami Dolphins at another idiotically named stadium, the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Uh, since the one? I, I got to go with Miami. Okay. No upset there. R squared? Tampa Bay. 
Okay, I'm going with Miami in a very close game. Neither one of these teams are impressing the heck out of me, but they are playing in Miami, so I'm going to give the edge to Miami. Okay, the L.A. Rams at the U.S. Bank Stadium. God, I swear to God, I'm going to stop naming the stadiums, uh, which is home of the Minnesota Vikings. L.A. Los Angeles Rams versus the Vikings. R squared. That's going to be one of the best games of the season so far. Both those teams are looking extraordinary, but uh, the Vikings' defense is ranked pretty high, and they're playing at home. i got to go Minnesota. Sinister one? Wow, that Rams offense looked crazy last week. i, I got to go with the Rams in the shootout. I'm going with Minnesota. If they're playing L.A., I'd, t- I'd pick L.A. But, you know, you don't, this time of year, I know they play indoors, but it's Minnesota. It's a nasty stadium to play in. The crowd's into it. Go with Minnesota. Okay. The Washington Indigenous Peoples versus the New Orleans Saints in the in the new Superdome in New Orleans. Uh, Sinister One? I, I'm going to go with New Orleans. Okay. R-squared? Yeah, New Orleans, especially at home. Yeah, no way. Washington's, you know, <coughs> left, right, and sideways. Uh, take Take the Saints and the points and everything else. The Kansas City Chiefs at R-squared. Squared's hometown team, the New York Giants, in MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, by the way. For those of you who don't understand my uh, statement about that, uh, hit me up and team. I'll explain to why I really find that quite annoying, but that's an issue for another day. R-squared, are your Giants going to get their head out of their ass? Where they play is the New York City metropolitan area, hence the New York Giants. But anyway, nobody wants to take ownership of them this year because they're just pathetic. Uh, although they've really made a commitment to keep losing at this point by uh, by what they have left. So, you know, as much as I hate to do this, I'll have to go Kansas City. You know, they've they've had a good little series with Kansas City lately. It would be nice to play them at home when they actually had players on the field. But considering yeah. half the Giants are gone, I'm going Kansas City. I'm going with Kansas City, and um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it because the Giants are talking – firings and, and trading and get rid of everybody. So I'm going with Casey. Casey could put their cheerleaders on the field and beat the Giants at this point. Go with Casey. Mm. The Arizona Cardinals at the Houston Texans in Houston. Uh, um, Sister one? Uh, you know what? Uh, Houston's had so many up and downs. I, I'm going to have to take Houston at home this weekend just, just because – they just had such an up and down. I got to go with Houston. R squared. Yeah, you know, one of these teams is going to have to win. They've both really been inconsistent. It's really hard to pick. I guess you just go with the home team. I'm going with Arizona. They they have been losing a couple of games, but they shouldn't have lost. They're very strong. I think they're finally getting their you know what together. I'm going with Arizona and another squeaker. Okay, the battle of the teams we thought were going to be great and who are ter- currently. In retaining large amounts of canal water. Buffalo Bills at Los Angeles Chargers in Carson, where the heck that is. That's their temporary home. Yeah, it's right I know now, the new stadium is built. Okay, since to one. Go. Buffalo's playing good ball. Two games behind the Patriots. They gotta go in here and beat the Chargers, but the Chargers are actually not playing bad ball. They've got some injuries. I, I gotta I, as much as I want to pick Buffalo, I'm, I gotta give the nod to the Chargers at home, and I think the Chargers take this one by a field goal. Okay, R squared. Yeah, I, I've got to say Chargers. Buffalo was looking good, but they got thumped at home by New Orleans, and as good as the Saints are, they got thumped at home. I gotta go Chargers. 
I'm going with the Chargers, too. I'm sorry. Buffalo is not a great road team, and especially this year. And it's tough. They're flying all the way from coast to coast. Go with the Chargers. Okay, the Chinese New Year game. The Bengals, which is a t- form of a tiger, at the Denver Broncos. Some team that we played last week, I think. Minor game. At Mile High Stadium. Here's the important thing. The Cincinnati Bengals are playing at Mile High Stadium in Denver, which is the Mile High City. So, R-squared, what do you got? you got to go Denver at home, especially against a very pitiful Cincinnati team. Sinister? Denver's coming off a big loss against those Patriots. Uh, there was a lot of talk behind you know, closed doors about bouncing back. Uh, the special teams coach was almost possibly was to be fired. Um, look for Denver to bounce back over the Bengals this weekend. John Elway looked like he was about to summary execute the entire coaching staff of the Denver Broncos after the loss to, to New England. I don't think there's going to be a Denver player alive if they lose to Cincinnati this week. Go with Denver. Okay, we talked about New England, Oakland. All right. Sinister One, one of your son's favorite teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, which no one picked at the beginning of the season, at the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington. R-squared? Well, you know, I mean, it would be nice to see Dallas lose another game, especially after that loss to uh, Atlanta where they had an early lead there. But, you know, Philadelphia is probably right for getting picked off at least once more this season. And Dallas at home, they're really going to want to play that rivalry game. I'm going to go Dallas in an upset. Okay. Ooh, going on a limb. Since the one? No Ezekiel Elliott last week. We saw what happens there. And now they don't have him. If it stays in place, they don't have him for this game. So their offense is pretty much all done. i got to go with the Eagles with a big win here. No question about it. The Eagles, I don't know what they're feeding their players for breakfast, but I want some. You know, maybe they're spiking their Gatorade. Maybe they're shooting up. I don't know. I don't care. The Eagles are the team that no one picked that came out of no place, and no one's been able to shut them down. And Dallas' defense couldn't shut down a Girl Scout platoon. So and before we pick our Monday night game, let's just touch base real quick since we're on Dallas. Jerry Jones under fire. A lot of owners aren't mad, aren't, aren't happy with him. He's making a big deal about this suspension. Um, and him and Roger Goodell are, are seemingly going at it. And it's kind of funny because when Tom Brady was suspended, the big, big cheerleader for Roger Goodell was Jerry Jones. Right. So you want to touch base on that real quick before we get into that Monday night pick? Yeah, here's good. He's up for a contract extension, and there's been some talk. There's been a rumor going around that some of the owners are basically going to going to uh, do what they call the death penalty and force Jerry Jones to sell the Cowboys if he continues to object to Roger Goodell's contract extension. That would be a radical option, but hey, you know, <sighs> Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones. It's hard to find someone who I hate less. So hopefully they'll you know knock each other off. Well, we'll see what happens. He's got some big demands there. He's contracted to the NFL until 2019, and he's saying he's not coming back after 2019, but he wants lifetime health insurance after he leaves the NFL. And it was like some other crazy demand. Yeah, he, he wanted he wanted access to the NFL jet for the rest of his life. Yeah. Who the hell is he I don't think he should get it right now, but that's an issue for another day. Okay, the Battle of the Birds. Atlanta Falcons at Seattle the CL Seahawks. Okay. R squared. Give me your pick. Yeah, I gotta go Seattle at home. Okay, a little disappointing. I expected a little more out of you than that. But sinister one? 
Look, I'm I'm ecstatic for this game. I think this game has the potential to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Atlanta's coming off a good win. Matt Ryan's feeling really good about himself. Atlanta's losing games because they're turning the ball over. They are going to the loudest stadium to play in, the, the first or second, depending which way they go between them and Kansas City. Seattle's a tough place to play. Atlanta is playing good ball at this point in time. But I got to go with Seattle at home. I have to. I just, I just have to. I think the noise in the Seattle Stadium is, is one of those overrated things. It's an urban myth. However, no, it's Atlanta. Not. Trust me, I've been there for games yeah. four times. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, again, I, I'll, I'll, you know, concede to someone who's actually been there. I've never been there, and I never will be there, unless it's a gunpoint. Look, or... you're not in the World Book again. It's for nothing, man. Okay, <laughs> but. Atlanta has been one of the most inconsistent teams this season. I don't think there's, you know, I personally don't think they're over their loss in the Super Bowl because they're playing inconsistently. I don't like Seattle. I've never liked Seattle. I think they're a flash in the pan team. I think they got very lucky a lot of times, but go with Seattle. Mm. And that, gentlemen, is your picks for the week. And we're at 758. We had to get the picks because that's something we definitely do. There was a lot of news that we were going to talk about. You know, Trump was in China. You got Donald Trump Jr. now connected to WikiLeaks leaks. Um, you've got this whole thing with Rob Moore, Bob Weinstein, the apology podium with Kevin Spacey and Louis C.K. How fast does this guy climb? And now his career is done. Kevin Spacey career pretty much done. Um We've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and we've got the big Genuine concert Friday night. John David was on last week. we still got to pick our winners on Thursday night. John David is actually arriving in town on Thursday, but so much stuff real quick before we get out of here. We had a good guest on, Pierre Solomon. Um, he's got his, his NRA gun trainings. Just so much stuff, guys. Good good show, a fast hour. Um, you guys want to touch base on this? we got two minutes. Touch base on this uh, Rob Moore thing real quick. Okay, uh, Okay. first of all, for those of you who have been sleeping under a rock, uh, Mr. Moore is a Republican nominee to fill Jeff Sessions' spot in the United States Senate. He has been accused by now, count them, five women who claimed he sexually abused them or harassed them. They were all under the age of 18. He's denied it, uh, and his poll numbers have been going through the floor. Also, something very interesting today, he published a letter – or. I should say his campaign published a letter from 53 pastors in Alabama claiming they still support uh, Mr. Moore in the election despite the sexual abuse allegations. It turns out today that, well, that's maybe not technically true, and I mean by being not technically true, it was a falsehood. Apparently the letter was written back in August and given to the campaign to be used in August. It was not, however, you, the campaign was not given permission to use anybody's name right now, and also especially have made no, absolutely under no circumstances did they, did they come out and say, we don't care about the sexual abuse allegations. Three pastors have come out and openly said they requested the Moore campaign issue a retraction. That is what we call bad. Hmm. Mitch McConnell has said that if Moore does win the election, he will schedule a vote to expel him from the United States Senate. Whoops. Crazy, crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. Anything real quick to add, our squid? Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with what uh, 
Diesel was saying, and it'll be interesting because, you know, Roy Moore is not a newcomer. He's been on the scene for many, many years. The people of Alabama know exactly who and what he is. People across the United States know who and what he is. He's, he's no secret being kicked off the Supreme Court not once but twice and his other runs for public office. So there are no secrets left. I think what's going to be interesting about this is you take something, uh, some truly heinous uh, conduct on his part, uh, you know, considering the age of the victims and you know how much sensitivity we have on that issue right now, and you compare that to the extreme tribalism we have in our politics right now, it'll be very interesting to see which wins, because that is an absolute uh, inconsistency right now. That on the one hand, it would take an awful lot, especially Republicans who have a better brand of loyalty than Democrats do, it would take an awful lot to get the various Republican groups to not support their, their candidate uh, since we're in the general election. If this came out earlier, who knows? It may have been the difference for Luther Strange. But uh, since, we're, since we are where we are, uh, these are people who have been trained to hate the Democratic Party for all kinds of suspicions and misconceptions as well as some legitimate policy disagreements. Uh, and so does tribalism beat you know, the heinous conduct or not? This is going to be very interesting to see. The polls are about tied, where in a normal place you might see a huge shift in favor of uh, the opponent. But really, it's still a dead heat, and that says something right now. Good stuff. All right, we're at 8.02. we got to get ready to get out of here. I'm actually going to get our intro going. Pierre Solomon, I still see him in the uh, Skype chat with us. I want to thank him for coming on with us and hang out. I'm just going to let him say, we're going to give you, get our, give our shout outs and give our goodbyes. We were able to entertain him while we were on the air tonight. He's, he hung around the chat and stayed with us. So I'm going to let him give a shout out and stuff before we get out of here, Pierre. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to everybody who supported me from the beginning. You know, I uh, shout out to Tanisha and Eli. I started training out of the living room and now I have my own shop. So I'm without the support of close friends and family and mentors from the military, I definitely wouldn't have been able to make it where I'm at. So thank you guys for always believing in me. Appreciate that. And real quick, before we get out of here and let these other guys sign off too, you said that you actually come out to people's homes to do the classes. Cause I, I, I heard that and I'm like, Whoa, did he really say that? Because that, that does work into my comfort level. Yes, it does. You get five or more people and I will come to your house, come to your business, come to your local whatever. And we will teach the course there. So, and, and my other question to you real quick, because I did have somebody that asked while we were on air, yep. if you are disabled and legally blind, can you still legally own a gun? Yes, you can. Oh, thank you. Because I had someone asking, and they wanted to know. And um, the other, only other question I have for you is, what is the earliest you think that someone – what's the earliest age you think someone should receive gun training before we get out of here? Um, I say – I say as, as old as they're able to understand words and comprehend things. So um, I would, I'm going to start training my children very young. So obviously if, if, if a child's like four or five years old, you're not going to keep give a firearm in their hand, but you can start telling them firearm safety. You got the Eddie Eagle program that starts, you know, it's a friendly, you know, children's video, and you can start ingraining in them the discipline so they can start learning the words and phrases and learning the safety rules. So as long as they're able to comprehend things, you know, be very mindful in what you put into the children's mind. Children nowadays, they know every dance song, every dance, every song, and everything, but are you putting actually anything fruitful? So uh, as young as you can, and then it's up to you to decide when they're physically and uh, mature enough to start handling the firearm physically. But, yeah, start, start ingraining that safety-oriented attitude early on as possible. Thank you. Good stuff. I had those questions pop up, and I'm glad you actually hung around so we can answer them. Ah, Squid, I'm going to let you say your goodbyes before Ken. 
Yeah, another good show. Thanks to everybody, especially uh, Staff Sergeant Solomon. Good night. Went by really quickly. Hopefully our picks are right this week. Uh, one thing, you know, put the tribalism aside. We've seen some pretty serious stuff out there. Let's just demand the best of our government and not settle for mediocrity. Ken? Well, as always, I want to thank all of our listeners, all 12 of them. I want to wish Jimmy Hassan, a good friend of mine, a happy birthday. His birthday is the 22nd. He's turning 56. And uh, second to what the staff sergeant and our colonel said. Good stuff, guys. Hey, uh, next week, I can't believe this. I'm about to say this, guys. Next week is Thanksgiving week. <laughs> Shame on me for mentioning that out of my mouth. But we'll be here definitely on Tuesday night. And um, we'll be actually getting ready to count down to the end of our year. Because, um, we you know, we do go on our Christmas break. And it's, it's wow, it's fast approaching. Next week is Thanksgiving. Um, we will be this talking how about we roll, the, pal. The, big, yeah. the big shows. Uh, the the big games that are going to happen on Thanksgiving Day. And, um, look, hey, everybody, thanks for coming in this show tonight, hanging out with us, and I hope to see everybody with, with us at Genuine on Friday night. And um, all i got to say is, SpongeBob, do me a favor, take us home. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning into the booth at Hoobazoo.com. Please make sure to tune in for more booth next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. New York Eastern Standard Time. Become a fan on their Facebook page and check out their podcast on iTunes and iHeartRadio. The booth is a Sinista One production hosted by Sinista One, Ken Diesel, and R Squared. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics and stuff. It's just that I'm up on this level up here, and all my friends are down here. Me, nah. You guys, nah. Maybe a little more down, down here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. Too bad.